Three months on from the Fonterra botulism scare, New Zealand companies are still picking up the pieces. This Radio New Zealand Insight programme looks at how well the crisis was handled and what needs to be done to repair the damage. Fortress Fonterra is under siege. The dairy cooperative's been told by independent commissioners it needs to shape up after the false botulism alarm that sparked millions of dollars worth of product recalls around the world. The commissioners who were engaged by Fonterra to investigate its handling of the crisis have recommended 33 changes. Significantly, they say the company is seen by some as a fortress and must improve its relationships with the outside world. It's a finding that resonates with other manufacturers like Marco Marinkovic, who were caught up in the crisis and its fallout in markets like China. It was New Zealand, it was Fonterra, it was dairy and it was poison. The next few months are seen as critical to restoring not just the manufacturers' reputations, but those of Fonterra, the dairy industry, and even New Zealand's standing as a safe and reliable food producer. I'm Rowan Quinn, and in this insight I look at the effects of the crisis and what needs to be done to recover from what's become known as the botulism botch-up. Hello, I'm John Key, Prime Minister of New Zealand. Recently there was a controversy involving a whey dairy product from New Zealand that turned out to be a false alarm. Companies behind New Zealand infant formula brands are leading a delegation to China to meet with their distributors and retailers. John Key's plea to China's retailers highlighted the seriousness of New Zealand's plight. It's not often the leader of a country gets involved in damage control for a private company's mistake. And it's a sure sign that there's more at stake than one firm's balance book. Mr Key recorded the message for the New Zealand Infant Formula Exporters Association, which hoped to use the Prime Minister's clout to get its products back on Chinese shelves. Marco Marinkovic was one of the manufacturers who flew to Shanghai where he played Mr Key's message to journalists, retailers and distributors. Although his company Kiwi Milk doesn't use any Fonterra ingredients, the association with New Zealand was enough. Our sales almost stopped, you know, we were way down. Um, our future orders were delayed and um, that's prevented production, which is going to be happening now, but it will be back on track. I know from some of the other members, they're down to 60 to 80% in sales. And it's not just the small players who are suffering. The French company Danone is the world's biggest seller of fresh dairy products and is number two in baby nutrition. Last year it had a turnover of $33 billion. It says as a result of the Fonterra false alarm, it's lost sales worth more than $470 million. The company's seeking to 200 million of that from Fonterra, and the two companies are now in a dispute resolution, a formal negotiation process designed to help companies avoid expensive court action. Corin Tapp, as the managing director of a Danone subsidiary, Nutricia, was at the front line of the crisis. I think that everybody in the industry, um, when they hear the word uh, botulism, um, you're very, very shocked, and uh, because this is something that is very unique and very rare. Um, so that is the uh, first uh, thing is that you're very, very shocked. But then the whole focus is on um, the impact that this has on consumers and uh, on our moms and dads and carers. At a Nutrition factory in Auckland, it's business as usual on the production line. The company's baby formula brand, CarryCare, was named early on by the Ministry for Primary Industries as having used the potentially contaminated whey protein in some of its batches. Products had to be recalled. 
Nutrition was able to identify the cans that were affected and remove them from the market, but the reputational damage was done. Sales fell, although the company won't say by how much, with some parents saying they'd never go back to the brand. Corin Tapp says she could understand both sides. Well, I'm, I'm very aware of the stress and anxiety this has caused yeah, for moms and dads, uh, because this is about feeding their child. And as a mom myself, I have twins, uh, 50 months old twins, as you know. I mean, feeding is, the, the, the things you feed your babies, that's, that's extremely important. So if something potentially can be wrong with it, that's a huge stress. So I can feel that, and I also feel for the stress that it has caused to the team, who has been working for more than 100 years of making sure that safety and quality are at the highest standards. During the recall period, calls to Nutrition's regular advice helpline jumped from between 50 and 70 a day to as many as 3,000. Staff had to be taken off their regular duties to help with the load. The Fonterra commissioned report into the botulism scare says Fonterra greatly underestimated what the commission calls the explosive reputational risk that the crisis posed. It says the company failed to join the dots to see how botulism, infant formula and consumer sensitivity could seriously damage its image. One of the inquiry team, Jack Hodder QC, says members spoke to several of Fonterra's customers on a confidential basis. You won't be surprised, some are feeling deeply wounded, others thought that it was the right thing to do was to have the precautionary recall and recognise there was always going to be some damage around that. Uh, some have been badly affected, some have not. Fonterra's Group Director of Strategy, Maury Leyland, led the company's own separate review of what went wrong. She says those who knew about the potential for a problem signalled by earlier testing were caught off guard because they never expected the tests to come back with a positive result for the deadly Clostridium botulinum, and that meant they failed to notify senior management early enough. Because it wasn't escalated uh, early, it slammed its senior management like a freight train, and then the complexity of it was, was unprecedented. It affected um, many customers, many markets. The product had been put into other uses. And uh, to be frank, our processes weren't up to that complexity with that little time to prepare. Danone seems to have taken the biggest hit, but many smaller, more vulnerable companies have been caught up as well. Marco Marinkovic believes manufacturers like his company Kiwi Milk weren't just let down by Fonterra's mistake, they were also let down by the government. With no obvious disaster management strategy in place and government departments seemingly not working together, Mr Marinkovic says the manufacturers had to fight for help. We were then basically up against the wall to try and survive. And so we were asking for help, then we organised these conference calls, the conference calls between um, government departments like Trade and Enterprise, um, MPI and uh, MFAT. They were, wouldn't talk for each other, there was no one in charge, and it was, a, it was like herding chickens. Mr Marinkovic says when the infant formula manufacturers went to China to try to reverse some of the damage, they had very little support. He says a staff member from Trade and Enterprise accompanied them, but seemed to be there more to keep an eye on them than to help. And he says before doing anything, Trade and Enterprise wanted to undertake a study to see how the market was reacting, an exercise that would have taken 12 weeks. Mr Marinkovic says that time lag could have been the difference between surviving or not. This big... Um, cock-up happened and we're left to our own resources to try and fix it. You know, if we stood back and waited for the government, they, they're not going to help. We're running a business, we have to survive. Yeah, we've got cash flow issues, we've got, um, we're running a business, they're not. 
The Trade Minister, Tim Grosser, refused a request to be interviewed for this Insight programme, but at the China Summit, a recent conference of Auckland businesses addressing the scare's effects on trade, he didn't hold back on criticising the Ministry for Primary Industries or MPI. Clearly, uh, we did not have enough resources in MPI. Um, and um, I know this is a little bit unusual, but... You know, whenever I've raised this issue, it's, the response is, well, it's, this is an operational matter, Minister. Don't worry your little head about it. I mean, I, I mean I'm sorry. There's no point, point hiding this. Um, they have not had enough resources. And I've been saying this for a long time in private, and now there's no place to hide. Mr Grosser says there are already improvements, and he's trying to keep an open mind about what changes need to be made until after the ministerial inquiry into the botulism scare is completed. The Minister of Foreign Affairs, Murray McCulley, told reporters he plans to meet with Mr Marinkovic and says he was disturbed to hear reports that some small manufacturers had felt let down by the government. This has been a, um, a troublesome issue for New Zealand. The New Zealand government wanted to play a full and active part in dealing with it, uh, as the Prime Minister has, as uh, I have, the Minister of Trade has. I think um, Fonterra's got some work it needs to do with its customers and with its image, and they are intent on doing that. And the New Zealand government's intent on making sure that its agencies do everything that can be reasonably done on their part, including making sure that their uh, representation in some of these markets is adequate. And that's something the Minister of uh, Primary Industries has been addressing in particular. The Ministry for Primary Industries wouldn't be interviewed, saying it's also waiting for the government inquiry. But in a statement, it says its own review done before the crisis found it hasn't kept up with the increasing trade with China. It's now upping the number of employees in China from one to three. A Labour MP and former Trade Minister Phil Goff says the government needs to get more involved. The government has a, a hands-off process. It's partly ideological, but they know and New Zealand knows that if the Fonterra brand is damaged, that damages New Zealand. There's no doubt there's a lot of work to be done. China has halted imports of all milk powder from New Zealand and Australia. China is halting uh, imports on milk powders from Fonterra. That's after Six the fabricants de lait infantile, dont le néo-zélandais Fonterra, ont été condamnés à de très lourdes amendes. The level of attention the botulism scare attracted globally amazed many of those spoken to by Radio New Zealand. After all, there are hundreds of product recalls around the world every day, many of which barely make the news. But this was front page news in China, New Zealand's biggest dairy market by far, and also in many other countries. Fonterra's chief executive, Teo Spearings, told delegates at the China summit how he saw it. It was four days front page. I rushed back to New Zealand because of the issues here, and I can tell you, when you walk into a plane in China, in Beijing, and there's three trolleys of Chinese newspapers, and all newspapers have your, your picture on the front page, it's not... <laughs> And I didn't bring my baseball cap and, uh, and my glasses, so I was kind of exposed in that plane because you saw the people. And it wasn't just Fonterra that was in the firing line. The Chinese state news agency Xinhua called New Zealand's 100% pure tourism motto a festering sore. 
The Chief Strategy Officer for Ogilvy PR in Shanghai, Michael Chu, says it's no surprise that a story relating to the safety or otherwise of baby food is huge news. But in China, which buys five times more New Zealand dairy products than any other country, it has an extra edge. Food safety is a huge issue there. Mr Chu says events like the melamine-tainted milk tragedy, which killed babies in 2008, have rocketed it to the forefront of many consumers' minds. China has this one-child policy. That means you know every family treasures greatly of their child. That's why uh, they, they are very determined. I mean, rich or poor, you know, all levels. They're very determined to provide their kids the best. That's why um, they, they, they go overseas to buy lots infant formula products. Like the rest of the world, China has embraced social media and it's become a major source of news for consumers. Marco Marinkovic of the New Zealand Infant Formula Exporters Association saw that firsthand. Social media is so quick in China, they spread the word and then we're at the receiving end. The collateral damage was, I know a number of brands were taken off shelf, future orders were canned, we had issues at the border, all that kind of stuff happened. Weibo is the Chinese equivalent of Facebook and Twitter, and with 500 million users, is the country's biggest social media network. Michael Chu says social media has a greater significance in China than in many other places, mainly because traditional media outlets are not free from state control. And also, Mr Chu says it gives consumers for the first time a significant public forum to voice their views. Yes, there is still censorship even on that social media platform. But uh, if you compare to traditional media space, the freedom is much bigger on social media. That's why uh, I think it's, it's really a phenomenon to, in terms of it's significantly changing how people get news or share news or the last part is really to share their comments about the news. Mr Chu says Fonterra is a well-known name in China, which is unusual for a brand that is mainly marketed business to business. In other words, even though consumers directly purchase only its retail brands like Anchor, they still know the name Fonterra. Mr Chu says that's largely because of the 2008 melamine scandal in which at least six babies died and hundreds more became ill after drinking melamine-laced milk powder. Even though Fonterra owned part of the company involved, its own reputation was left largely unscathed because it was seen as the whistleblower. Mr Chu says in China, anything Fonterra does is closely associated with New Zealand. No surprise that um, the Fonterra issue uh, raised a big question mark on, let's say, New Zealand brand first, then international brand as a collectively because they have obviously the consumers played so much high expectation of international brand because they um, no longer trust the local Chinese brands and then figure out there is issues as well that's failure that's you know that's kind of the failure of expectation uh, is the I, I guess it's the one of the major consequences Back in New Zealand, it wasn't just Fonterra executives nervously watching the botulism story unfold. It's milking time for this pukekohe farmer, Wendy Clark, whose small dairy operation is a supplier to Fonterra. Uh, this is picked up by a tanker. It's taken to the Fonterra dairy factory. And... Um, 
it can be turned into a variety of products like milk powder or cheese um, and some of it, if it's needed, will go on the domestic market as, as just straight milk. Wendy Clark's one of about 10,000 farmers who own shares in the cooperative and she's the chair of her local federated farmers division. She remembers how she felt when first hearing about the scare. Horror. Um, horrified that, that, that there might be a one in a million chance that somebody might get sick from our product and horrified that that the that we appeared to have tripped up on the very thing that's that that is our greatest strength which is our ability to provide safe food so that's our number one um, strength she says she became frustrated at the way the company was handling the issue it wasn't good watching it on the news um, we were getting communications from the chairman of the board um, by email, so he was keeping us abreast of what was going on. Um, uh, we knew that this was a precautionary um, um, measure and that the chances of there really being botulism was one in a million. Um, but the way that that it was handled in the media um, by by our company, um, uh, left something to be desired. Ms Clark says the executive should have put forward scientists to explain the unlikelihood of anyone actually getting sick, even if there was botulism in the product. And she says they should have been more upfront with the media, in the same way the chair, John Wilson, was privately being upfront with farmer shareholders. The Fonterra commissioned inquiry echoes her concerns. It says Fonterra's media management was well below par, especially during the first 72 hours, described as the golden hours of crisis management. And it says its early message was confused, with the company expressing alarm one minute, then downplaying the seriousness of the problem the next. Fonterra's strategy director, Maury Leyland, acknowledges the communication from the company was poor in the first few days. She says it's been working on getting a better plan in place. And it's been talking to another big player in the economy, Air New Zealand, which regularly runs through disaster scenarios to make sure it's prepared. Air New Zealand has been, they've been very generous and they've, um, they've talked to us about what they do. Uh, and I think they've got a great model there. Um, I think we've had many models of that here, but I think there is um, there's some opportunity to, to learn from that kind of model, and, and uh, we intend to. On her farm in Pukekohe, Wendy Clark places some blame on the media too, saying news organisations continually played out the negative parts of the story when there was also a positive side, such as Fonterra not being afraid to speak out, being willing to blow the whistle on itself. I wish that those things had been um, picked up more by the media and stressed. And because even when Teo Spearing, the chief executive, explained exactly what the timeline was, what the risks were, um, nobody was hearing that anymore. And they just kept repeating the same information that did nothing but damage New Zealand Incorporated's um, reputation. But she says she understands that bad news does tend to get more prominence and Fonterra is always rightfully going to be in the media spotlight. They are so big that um, in New Zealand they can't hide. And, um, uh, and yeah, every, every Fonterra story um, is 
is big news um, because Fonterra's fortunes are married to the fortunes of all New Zealanders. So I guess we've all got a bit of um, a stake in the company. The Shanghai-based PR expert Michael Chu agrees that the way Fonterra and the government handled the story in the media left a lot to be desired, particularly after the scare turned out to be a false alarm. That part of the story achieved nowhere near the high profile of the original, with the news stories much smaller and buried further inside the papers and news bulletins. He says that's partly because of the nature of news. Bad news almost always gets prominence. I wish I saw the brand uh, or the company or New Zealand as a government pushing harder to make that voice being heard. Um, as a matter of fact, it's a great opportunity, right? It's a false alarm, but that shows how a company or nation can put the food safety into you know, really a very, very significant uh, place. They, they are willing to take all the costs uh, to, to make sure, you know, minimize the risk. It's a great story. But unfortunately, I don't think that's being um, fully communicated. Mr Chu says traditional PR doesn't cut it in crisis situations. He says companies involved in damage control need to keep coming up with new angles that might appeal to journalists, rather than just issuing a couple of press releases and hoping it does the trick. The inquiry team found Fonterra wasn't making enough use of social media, particularly in China, and Mr Chu agrees. It does mean that the company should have the system ready instead of like looking for people at that time and uh, you know uh, who is the spokesperson you decide on their spot. It's too late. Mr. Chu says the most crucial time for all those caught up in the scandal is now the recovery of the brands. He says it's just as important as how a company manages the crisis at the time, and even more important if they did a bad job of that. The Minister for Primary Industries, Nathan Guy, says work is being done to help restore the damage, including a $2 million fund to help firms recover. The government's taking a whole-of-government uh, approach, NZTE, uh, MFAT and MPI. We've obviously got the uh, fund available for some of the smaller exporters to be able to uh, tap into that to go up into market. Uh, there's a lot of support around those small companies to help them through uh, the particular issues that they have found. But the Foreign Affairs Minister, Murray McCulley, says the government can only do so much. Fonterra's got to do its own work to uh, uh, pick up its reputation, and I made it very clear, both in China and Sri Lanka, when I visited, that there was work for them to do, and I'm keeping very closely in touch with them about that work. Danone's New Zealand subsidiary, Nutritia, has already begun to rebuild its damaged brand. Okay, so I didn't introduce myself. I'm Greg, I'm the medical and R&D director, and the other gentleman is Brendan. He's our production manager, who will be your host today as we go through. What you've seen here is really a clear point of difference for us as experts in early life nutrition and the quality standards which give us the complete confidence in the products that we deliver to New Zealand mums, dads, their babies, and to healthcare professionals. Okay, um, I might in a PR offensive, it recently invited journalists, politicians, government officials and parenting interest groups to its Auckland factory to see its safety practices in action. Its medical and research director of the Baby Nutrition Division, Greg Ward, says it carries out hundreds of tests for microbiological and chemical contaminants, as well as testing the factory environment. And that includes things like testing of the ground and the floor within the manufacturing site. We actually test the um, protective clothing of our workers and even we test their stool samples once a month as well. Mr Ward says the company issued the recall even though it was confident all of its products were safe. 
our results had always indicated the product was fine, but given we provide sometimes the sole source of nutrition uh, for babies who can't be breastfed. It's a huge responsibility that we take incredibly seriously and we will not take any risk and we cannot take any risk as a responsible manufacturer. As for Fonterra, apart from a looming compensation claim, the dairy company appears to be bouncing back. It says demand has not suffered even in China. It's pushing ahead with plans to launch its own retail brand there and mum and its share price hasn't suffered. Next year, farmers are expecting a record payout. The farmer Wendy Clark says she believes Fonterra may actually benefit from the scandal because it was seen to be honest and thorough. Um, we're probably lucky that there is a shortage of milk powder in the world at the moment and, um, and no one else was able to really uh, step into that gap that we opened up for our competitors um, to, to fill the breach. So we've been lucky in that respect. The Labour Party MP Phil Goff is more cautious and warns that more important than good PR is making sure crises don't happen in the first place. He's calling for tighter regulations, perhaps more testing and better types of testing. Your marketing uh, spin. We say we're 100% pure, we charge a premium price, we say our products are safe. You have to be able to ensure that that happens. And on four occasions with dairy products associated with New Zealand and particularly with Fonterra, we have seen, we've fallen short of that mark. The Fonterra inquiry has left that issue to the government, which has two inquiries into the matter due out in the coming months. The Trade Minister, Tim Grosser, says he's keeping an open mind about the matter, but has hinted he also favours more regulation, saying in his words, it's top of his thinking. Fonterra's strategy director, Maury Leyland, says it's not been easy to be under the intense scrutiny of the independent review, or being labelled Fortress Fonterra. I think it's very tough feedback um, and I think for all of us in Fonterra none of us would like to think of ourselves that way and I think we are generally open individuals but I think we have to respect the fact that people perceive us like that. I don't think we can avoid that feedback and I think we really have to step back, acknowledge that's the way we're seen and think about how we're going to change that perception. I'm Rowan Quinn and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or send us a tweet at rnz underscore insight. I wrote and presented that programme. It was produced by Gail Woods with technical production by Chris Keogh.